Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Oh God, you are here, and we are here. Lord, may we be conscious of your presence here with us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you. So, um, I heard a story this week. A guy um, recently over at New Smyrna Beach. And he's walking down the beach, and he came across, um, apparently... Um, kind of an old bottle, uh, ancient bottle, as a matter of fact, and so it was closed. So he opens it, and a genie pops out. This really happened at New Smyrna Beach, y'all. And and so, strangely enough, the genie said to him, "Oh, thank you for releasing me." With that said, you, how will grant you any three wishes that you want? You, anything, three wishes for my. Um, appreciation. And, and the genie said, but there's just one catch, just remember, that whatever you wish for yourself, well, your enemy, the person that you hate the worst, the one you can't stand, right? They get double. That person will get double whatever you want. Do you agree with those terms? And the guy, you know, is like, um, yeah, sure, okay, that works. He said, I wish for a billion dollars. Bam, just like that. A billion. It was in cash, right? And it was great. Cash. And but the thing is, the enemy, the person he couldn't stand, got two billion dollars. Can you believe that? Well, he's like, oh, you know, I got a billion dollars. This is good, right? So he's like, you know what? The genie said, What would you like for your second wish? And he says, you know, I want a really nice crib house on the on Lake Como in northern Italy, right? And boom, just like that, there was this beautiful home on Lake Como. And I mean, you'd want to like vacation there, right? And, and, and but just then, just like that, boom, right across the lake. There's a twice as big house for his enemy, and it's a little nicer, you know, a little better view and all that. And so the genie says, well, those are two wishes. You only have one more. And remember, whatever you wish for, the person that you hate the most, the one you can't stand, gets double. And the guy thought about it for a second. He's like, I wish to be half dead. Today, I know, I was like, do I tell this one or do I not? <laughs> Today, we find a man in the gospel who was half dead. And it's a story that we all know. It's, or I think we probably have heard it before, right? It's perhaps the most well-known story that Jesus tells, the story of the, what we call the Good Samaritan. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem 
where he is going to face the cross. He's gone through Samaria. He's encountered the Samaritans and these various people. Some like him, some don't. Some reject him, some don't. And just then, a lawyer came up, uh, stood up, and tried to test Jesus. Now, he wasn't an attorney like we think of today. This guy was a teacher of the law, a teacher of the Pentateuch, the Torah. And he was an expert on the law of God. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it's funny because I like, when you think about an inheritance, first of all, what do you do to get an inheritance? I mean, it's kind of a gift that's left behind. It seems like it's all grace. It's nothing you really do necessarily to get an inheritance. But nevertheless, he asked this question. Now, remember, this guy was a theologian. He had studied God's law. He knew it inside, outwards, and backwards. And so he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, first of all, uh, I don't think he was asking Jesus, hey, Jesus, what do I got to do to get in heaven when I die? Right? I don't think that's what he was doing. He was actually wanting to, eternal life uh, meant how to live fully, how to have an intentional, full life with God. He was asking, hey, how can I have fullness of life, happiness, satisfaction, freedom, comfort, peace in my soul? How can I live connected with God? How can I please God? And Jesus kind of saw this as a teaching moment, right? We have those from time to time. And, uh, <laughs> and he asked the guy two questions. One, well, you're a teacher of the law. What's What's the scripture say? And it's important for us to look at scripture and to draw life and instruction and, uh, uh, you know, in the story of God. And it kind of instructs us and guides us in life. So it's important. What's the scripture say? And then Jesus asked him this, and how do you interpret him? You know, how we read scripture also determines how we will respond to God's message. Thank you. And, and so the man quotes Deuteronomy and he quotes Leviticus. From Deuteronomy he goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then he quotes Leviticus. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Boom. And as we know, that's the summation, the summary of the law, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. This fulfills, this sums up the entire law. We know that, right? And Jesus looks at the guy and says, well done. You were right. Do this and you will have life. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer says to him, wants to justify himself. And he says, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And I think it's a great question for all of us, really. Right? Who is my neighbor? It's like I look at Katrina. What's those new people moved in beside us? Who are they? They're my neighbor, but I don't know them, right? Who's our neighbor? But how would you answer that question? Who is your neighbor? And perhaps the better question, maybe, is who is not my neighbor? Who is not my neighbor? How would you answer that question? The lawyer seems to be asking, who am I obligated to love? Who does not deserve my love? 
Or who is worthy of my attention? Who is worthy in this world? Who counts? And so Jesus, rather than answering that, tells him a story. Jesus says a man who was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, it's about a 20-mile, 15 to 20-mile trek, it was descending down, all down. And he had fallen victim to robbers, and, and, and he ended up half dead lying in the road on the ditch, and a priest and a Levite see him. One sees him, and they cross over to the other side of the road to avoid him. Same thing happens with the other one. When I lived in California, I used to have a beloved, sweet, kind, gracious Rottweiler named Carmine. And Carmine was lovely. But when we walked down the street, people crossed the road. You could see him, right? And this is what happened to this man. Now, perhaps they feared probably becoming ritually impure, uh, unclean. And if they touched him, mess with this guy that would make them unclean and they couldn't serve in the temple. Perhaps they just saw him as a burden and a hassle or an obligation and they didn't want anything to do with him. Or maybe they're thinking, hey, if I stop to help him, I may get robbed. So they put themselves at risk. The point is, it doesn't really matter. The reasons are irrelevant because they selfishly chose to walk away and not show compassion. Who is not my neighbor? Fear and indifference are not excuses for passing by. They actually are indicators that reveal our hearts. And for Jesus, for Jesus, love is more important than religious ritual purity. For Jesus, love is the law of the land. It's more important than genuflecting. It's more important in which way you cross yourself. It's more important than all of that. Love is the main thing. And their religious purity and all that that they were concerned about got in the way of them loving. See, Jesus makes someone a hero in this story. And who comes to the rescue? Samaritan. And I think you all must know this. But in Jesus' day, Samaritans weren't just strangers. They were considered impure. They were mixed-breed Jews and Gentiles. They were considered heretics, deplorables, despised. They were objects of fear and condemnation, disgust and judgment. They were absolutely the worst of humanity. And when Samaritans watched cable news at night. Their version of the news told them just how bad the Jews were. And when the Jews watched cable news at night, they told how bad the Samaritans were. And it showed how disgusting these Samaritans were, and they're the problem with everything. They hated each other. And in Jesus day there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. A Samaritan was the last person who would be expected to stop and give aid to an injured Jew. But neither would a Jew want to accept the saving help of a Samaritan. And so Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero. It's kind of like 
a member of ISIS or something, you know, who don't we like? Jesus makes that person the hero in the story. And it was intended to be shocking. The one that was moved with empathy, the one who was moved into compassion, able to arise above the bigotry and the prejudice of the two tribes and move towards the injured Jew and show mercy and compassion was a Samaritan. And he took him and he banished him and he took him to an inn, a place where he could pay for his care. He was the one who recognizes that when it comes to the question of who is my neighbor or who is not my neighbor, there are no boundaries. He just did what God called him to do. Love God by loving what is in front of him. Think about it. The Samaritan loved what was in front of him. He saw the man, right? He opened his eyes. He saw and didn't look away. He didn't cross the road. He opened his heart in compassion that led to action, right? He opened his hands. He literally bandaged this man's wounds in the story. And of course, he got his day calendar out, looked at his book, opened it and said, you know what? I'm gonna have to cancel those other appointments today because I gotta love this guy right now. And so he puts him on his animal and he takes him to an inn. He opened his heart, his hands, his eyes, his calendar, and he spent the night with him at the inn. And the next morning, he opened his wallet and he paid for this guy's medical expenses. And he says, when I come back, when I return, I will pay you for whatever you have done. Jesus concluded, which of these three acted like a neighbor toward the man that had been attacked by the robbers? And the lawyer answered, he didn't even say Samaritan. He says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus replied, you go, you go then and do the same. Great story, we've all heard it before. We've got hospitals named after this parable and story, right? The Good Samaritan, ministries. See, as I look at this though, I realize that my problem usually isn't knowing what I should do or shouldn't do. For me, it's having a vision to see the person in need, not as a burden or a threat, someone I should fear, but seeing the person truly as myself. You know, that that could be me. Or, you know what? That is me. And I think perhaps that may be one of Jesus' point. I'm not the priest. I'm not the Levite. I'm not the Samaritan. Boy, I like identifying with the Samaritan. That's me, man, I'm good. But no, I am the person that's half dead. I'm the man that's injured and lying on the side of the road in the ditch. I am the one in need of grace. I am the one in need of rescue. I am the one in need of compassion. I am the one that's truly in need. How about you? Have you ever been in the need of grace? 
Have you ever been in the need of compassion? Have you ever been in the need of rescue? The beauty of this story, the injured man comprehended his utter inability to help himself. You could say he swallowed his pride and permitted the one he disliked and detested to save him. And he came to a point where these two, you could say, were able to become friends. And maybe, just maybe, I have to occupy his place in the story first before I'm able to truly get it. To identify as the broken one, with the broken one, grateful to anyone at all who will show mercy to me, especially God, before I can feel unbounded compassion like the Good Samaritan. You know, at some point in our lives, we face a situation where we all kind of end up in the ditch, hurting, struggling, desperate for some help, and longing for restoration and wholeness. And when life throws us in the ditch and leaves us there, it matters not whose help I would prefer. I'm not going to question someone's theology, and I certainly don't just want people who have the same political beliefs in which I agree. What matters is whether anyone will stop and show me mercy before I die. See, we all stand in the need of grace. We all stand in the need of mercy. We all stand in the need of rescue and reconciliation and healing. And perhaps before we can truly love others with any genuine compassion, we need to experience in the depths of our souls of being loved by God in a way that heals us. The most loving, if you will, good Samaritan God. And the gospel reminds us that Jesus Christ, that God has actually scandalized us with compassion. When we had no capacity or no desire to love God back, God comes to us, a God who sees us, a God who refuses to cross the street and look away, a God who refuses us to leave us living half dead, but a God who goes all in, completely empties his pockets and risks his life, came to our rescue and paid the price for our healing. And on the cross, he did not merely risk his life to help us, but he freely, generously gave it. And this way, Jesus is the Good Samaritan. And when that captures our heart in the depths of our being, it's then that we're able to love. It's like 1 John says, we love God because God first loved us, right? All that we do and all that we are is live in response to that love. It's lived in response to this love. What shall I do to inherit life? Well, recognize that you're the injured one. Accept 
receive the help of the Good Samaritan. And then go do likewise. And you will have life eternal. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.